Computer, play me a podcast. Parameters. Star Trek The Next Generation. Time period, early 21st century. Program loaded. Green Shirt, a newbie's trek through the next generation. With your hosts, Cameron. How does the holodeck work? Marcy. Guys, it looks like a dildo. And Rob. I think a lot of the things in the show, yeah, not bad. This week's episode... Who watches the Watchers? So I am surrounded by horses now. My Mm -hmm. side neighbor and my across the front lawn neighbors have horses. And because like three dogs wasn't enough, (laughs) I've started to befriend all of my horse neighbors. And I ask permission from their owners. I was going to ask, have you actually met the owners across the street i have okay. yeah uh specifically so that i could ask her if i could feed her horses treats <laughs> and she did have specific instructions so i was glad that i asked she didn't want them to be fed carrots because one of her horses has some um, dietary special needs oh so. these millennial horses oh. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sort of afraid of horses actually so part of this was also to desensitize myself to my fear because i had a horse run away with me once when i was really young so I've started to feed them all apple slices, and now <laughs> I can see their ears perk up anytime they see anybody come out of our house. And then when I walk up, they come trotting over to the fence because they know they're going to get treats. And then the one that's the side neighbor's horse, she's super sweet, and I feed her the apple, and then she sticks her head over the fence, and she was resting her head on my shoulder, and, like, her giant horse eye was, like, (laughs) I know that she did that so that she could, like, see my face, and she, like, rested her chin against my face, Mm. and her big horse eye was right next to my eye, and I was, like, this is it. This is my horse moment, (laughs) and so she does that pretty much every time I go out there now, and we, like, I, I give her a lot more scritches and like massages because she's so much more like friendly she's your bud. if only i could get a pair of jodhpurs i'd be uh <laughs> picard out there That's right <laughs> actually if you want to see how much i enjoy um horses there's only one hashtag that i use and it's hashtag marcy the horse creeper <laughs> on instagram and there's like anytime i take horse pictures i hashtag to that and there's only like two followers that's actually surprisingly so. a very popular hashtag <laughs> i was surprised to find out well welcome one and all to green shirts i am cameron a bronze aged proto trekkie taking my very first steps into the world of tng and here with me my much more deitous co-hosts whose experience and knowledge of the show makes them seem like magical god beings to me <laughs> The Morgan Freeman to my Jim Carrey, Rob. Deitus? I made it up. <laughs> and the Alanis Morissette to my Jay and Silent Bob, Woo! Marcy. Oh, yeah. I wasn't sure how you'd take that one. I'm yeah. Morgan Freeman, and she's Alanis Morissette. Yeah, swallow that Java jagged little pill. is an amazing movie that I need to watch again. <laughs> I think about it occasionally. They did a lot of subver- subversive stuff with that movie. I remember it being a big deal Especially when it back came in the out. Day. Yeah. yeah. Well, this week we watched Who Watches the Watchers, in which a winch would wonder if a watch were witchcraft. <laughs> no, we didn't. We didn't wonder that. And I'm done. I'm spent. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Go to our Facebook group. 
hit that unsubscribe button. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us how we start this episode, Rob. Well, we are uh, with some spooky music for some reason. That's exactly what I wrote. Spooky <laughs> music for no good reason. No real good reason at all. <laughs> Nothing spooky is happening at first. They're heading to Mintaka 3 mm-hmm. to help the three-person team. They call it a three-man team, even though there's a woman. I don't remember. But there's three people there, and they need to fix their duck blind. It's an exposition-heavy opening. And the way they get the exposition across is at the expense of poor Jordy, who they just make sound like he still does not read his dossiers. Right. Mr. LaForge, report. <laughs> well, we finished replicating the parts they'll need. But what I don't understand is why a three-man station would need a reactor capable of producing 4.2 gigawatts. Enough to power a small phaser bank or a subspace relay station or... Or a hologram generator. Oh, a duck blind. Oh, of course, a I'm, duck blind. I'm starting to think that Jordy, during the briefings, is just napping behind his visor. No, he's eating all the food that's in the yes. ready room. Oh, yeah. yeah, if he's not eating, he he's out. napping, and they can't tell. He hangs out on the ship's craft service oh, table. His eyes are shut behind his yeah, visor. That's, <laughs> oh, nice. You get that, Jordy? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got it all, Captain. Well, then, like, Troy chimes in. Like, the whole bridge, everybody gets a chance to explain stuff to him. It's true. I guess, and my thing is just, like, when did they start talking in gigawatts or gigawatts yeah, yeah like just they just that. started yeah. like two episodes ago and now everything everything is a gigawatt a gigawatt <laughs> gigawatt <laughs> said giga doc brown is not on the bridge of the enterprise Sorry, yeah, that would be a much better show it. i mean i think it's i mean it's good to get the exhibition out of the way early but i also it's a lot for my brain to process right after like hitting play on netflix it's like i'm just like i wait I, I, you know i'm getting my notes and i'm starting to, i'm like i just can't it, I can't comprehend it at first. It's and then, a lot. But at the same time, like, I mean, the first time I watched this, my kid was talking to me, so I didn't actually hear a lot of that opening yeah. stuff, and it still made sense. No, it makes sense. The middle, like, the whole, the pacing is a lot a lot different after this initial scene. Yeah. Yeah. The Mintakans are proto-Vulcan humanoids at the Bronze Age level. Okay, let's pump the brakes there a little bit. I have questions about that sentence. Uh-huh. Let's start with the simple one. I, I mean, we've established that Starfleet is very human-centric. There's a lot of humans in Starfleet. It still seems problematic that they would use the term humanoid, though. Hmm. Especially since they're proto-Vulcan. Wouldn't they be Vulcanoid? Good question. This is one of those terms that just helps us, the audience. <laughs> yeah, it would be unusual if they called them Vulcanoid. I would understand what they were talking about and would immerse me in the world all the much more. I would think they were talking about some 80s vector arcade game. <laughs> I'm playing v- oh, Vulcanoid. Shit. I got the high score in Vulcanoid. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, they're proto-Vulcan. I I know that at some point, Star Trek finally clears up why there are so many humanoid races in the universe because Uh of panspermia. Is that in TNG? Are we going to get that explanation anytime soon? I feel like they explain it maybe in Voyager. I feel like I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Because Voyager, they get sent to another quadrant delta quadrant and so they kind of explain why even out here in the delta quadrant you still have creatures that look the same ways to go i just have to accept this until then but again that's just me like pulling from my shoddy memory (laughs) so they could explain it in tng you know who resides in the alpha quadrant hey this guy (laughs) (laughs) wow it took too long for me to figure that out (laughs) he was pointing at me everyone (laughs) true delta over here oh what wait what the omega quadrant over here (laughs) (laughs) okay okay so eventually we'll get hey (laughs) hey 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 i'm trying to get to my point about why if these are (laughs) proto-vulcans Why is it that rational cognitive processes 
is along the same evolutionary path as pointed ears and eyebrows. That seems weird. Hmm. I mean, I guess it's taken humans, I feel like, a lot longer than Bronze Age to become more rational. We're oh, still, geez, we're still working on it. Yeah, exactly. So, me. I mean, it could be a very biological slash environmental so thing that is rational. are you saying we'll rational? have pointy ears and eyebrows by the time we mm, slough sure. off religion? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't even know if I should bring this up now, though, because they're like, oh, our holographic reactor is going down and... We only have three hours of battery backup left. And I'm like, your mission in life is the prime directive to not break it. Like, right. that's the biggest rule that we've been, like, mm -hmm. pounded into the audience's head that you can never break. Sorry. Should you even allow people onto planets where they could potentially break the prime directive if their reactor goes down? Like, yeah. Should we talk about this fucking duck blind now? Do you just yes. want to talk about the fucking duck blinds? <laughs> Yeah. My first question was, how did they make it? Yeah. That shit is drilled into rock. We see that one room, but it's got to be at least like three or four times the size because like three people are living here. So, that, you know, there's there's bedrooms and like a game center and like, you know. I think they talk about like cave systems foosball. being there. Yeah, that's true. I think they oh, just so made they, it into the cave system. Oh, they built it into the cave. But without the these people noticing who live right below that mountain. Just set up the holographic projector first. That, and that's why I was wondering. Do they just make like a giant holographic yeah. projection around it? Still, it seems like it would make a lot of noise. Well, and again, they are misusing the word hologram because they keep calling it a hologram. But then OG gets up there and starts like manhandling <laughs> it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It is physical. It's a physical. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But then, and this just occurred to me on the way over here as I was thinking about this duck blind. Why do they need a window? Why don't they just put a camera in a rock on top of that mountain and have a view screen inside? Well, that was the bigger question is what can they truly see from that? Like, they're not looking at the village. village. This was confusing because at first it, it does look like they're really far away. Like, because OG and, and her dad are walking a long ways. But then later you see a reverse shot of the, the little sundial. And it's right in front of the oh, village. Yeah, yeah. Well, They're if, just outside, like, at least the big meeting I hall. I wonder if it's... I, I guess I thought that was maybe a second sundial. Like, they have different placements. They imply that, like, they walked a long way. Right. But, and, like, no one would have seen him scream and fall. It must be a second location. I, I think know. so. Yeah, it's it got to be. Because, like... But then she runs she, back to that running, sundial. She's running away, and then she hears from a distance her dad screaming, OG! OG! <laughs> Could be the same sundial, but I'm just surprised we don't see that building in that shot with right. the sundial. Anyway. But like, so why even have this open expo exposed face? You have view screens in the future. We see them in every single episode of Star Trek. Why do they even need to be on the planet? Exactly. <laughs> be up in space with a camera down there. I was thinking the same thing, Marcy. And also, this isn't a one-time deal. They did this in Insurgency, like, or insurgent, Insurrection. Insurrection. I do, I vaguely remember that. They had that. a duck line that failed in that, too. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. They, they took that plot point to make a movie out of? Yeah. The only reason this is all the case is so that we have an episode about the Prime Directive. I, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about that. But you could have easily had, like, a little... You know, like a, a space station, like crash land, and they have to go evacuate them in time or something. There's a lot of ways you could have done it. I mean, I guess you could see it as they're anthropologists, so they're not just there observing the village. They're probably taking off on missions, finding anthropological, like getting fecal samples. Well, 
and mm-hmm. like finding like she you know how she talks like we found in caves like that they had simple tools and so yeah. they're probably doing that kind of stuff as well maybe they're like tranking him and bringing him back to like anal probe him and- well and doing once again the what I think is unethical short term memory wipes <laughs> that don't work but- oh the, Pul- the Pulaski technique yeah the Pulaski uh, <laughs> procedure oh I wish they had called it a maneuver <laughs> I'm familiar with the Pulaski maneuver captain yeah so we haven't even gotten past the right. for opening no, introduction no, yeah. because they get a call from Dr. Baron mm-hmm. and he's like updating them on what ha- what's happening and then suddenly Kaboom! There's a fucking explosion! Yeah. And I'm like, what is happening? And it's mostly the editing, but when they finally cut back to the actors, like Troy is the only one who acts slightly shocked or dismayed <laughs> right. that she possibly just watched three people die before her eyes. Also, Part of the whole thing to me was that there's an explosion and the guy literally throws himself out of the window. Because <laughs> it's not like he was thrown out by the explosion. He, You can tell he's like climbing out of the window. Yeah, yeah. This is our first visit with Dr. Barron, yes? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of actors, so I'm going to keep my IMDb, IMDb minutes pretty brief. That's James Green. He's in 110 Projects. He's in like oh, Patch good. Adams as the character named Bile. It's weird. All right. <laughs> okay. Later, you'll see him in Deep Space Nine, Star Trek Voyager as well, and Parks and Rec. He's Councilman Milton in 16 oh, episodes. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. He's an old okay. man. Yeah, he's the yeah, old yeah. man councilman. I yeah. can, in fact, picture that now. Yeah, he's great. Nice. Thanks, James Green. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they decide to speed up to get there as fast as they can, and they beam down with uh, Medic Martinez. We get a lot of medics in this episode. Yeah. The right. way he pauses for the teleport and looks up is unusual like he's just he's not a, he's not a great extra it's obviously his first teleport yeah i also thought it was funny going back again let's not get to the let's never move any farther <laughs> when he's like oh we got to get there quickly warp seven i'm like you could i guess you just want to waste fuel but you probably go faster than that right like they're first they're warp seven and then yeah. the explosion happens and he's like warp nine i'm right. like we could have gone warp nine at the first part. This right. is very important to fix this thing. So yeah, absolutely. Get there as fast as you well, can. Well, to me, I mean, Jordy fixed it. Like, it has a major malfunction where, like, lights are strobing and CGI electricity is everywhere. And he fixes that shit pretty quick, honestly. Electricity, like, climbing the wall. Oh, my like, What sort of them. backwater technology does this duck blind have? And then, like, we're replacing the energy source makes it go away. <laughs> I, don't I did wonder about that. Yeah. Well, and, and I like how Jordy just gives a cursory like, hey, guys, by the way, don't, don't touch, touch the walls. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the floor's fine. You, but... you mean these walls with the electricity coursing up and down them? That's Thanks, Jordy. Surrounding us it, oh, inches away at yeah, all times. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Deadly electricity. Maybe they added too many bolts. I think that's a post-production problem. They probably didn't mean to make it look so deadly in there. I was wondering, you know, with these, an- uh, what are they, anthrop? Morphologist, no anthropologist. <laughs> These anthropologists, anthropomorphists. <laughs> the anthropomorphists. You know they get like sent out to all sorts of different planets with different cultures, and uh-huh. these guys are like, they've got the boring ass Mintakins here, and they're like, did you hear about Rod and Karen? They got sent to Edo. They're watching fucking Adonis's play at love all day long, day and night. And they actually and get, get to a- join the population. <laughs> <laughs> they've got the costume makers. They're going out. Meanwhile, we get to watch fucking Phil Hartman's Frankenstein mope about his dead wife. Aww. I'm sure there could be worse. They could be much like, worse cultures. Blob, like blob people. <laughs> it's a likable tribe. Yeah. So to move it along, 
Two of the Mintakins are walking along, mm-hmm. chitting, chatting. It's a father and a daughter. And holy shit, who is it? Liko. Liko. Play- is played by Ray Wise. Leland motherfucking Palmer. That's right. From, from Twin, Twin Peaks. Peaks. He's in all the oh. Twin Peaks. I saw his name and him at the same time, and I was like, I am going to like this episode. I do like when they put the actor's name on the, cr- the credit, right? You know, like right underneath the actor's yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit, that's Ray Wise. He's in 238 things, so I'll, I'll go quickly. <laughs> he was Dr. H- Alec Holland in the Swamp Thing 1982 yes, movie. Yes, he was. Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, oh did- my god, I do remember that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have a shorthand eventually for when an actor is in every, like, <laughs> 80s TV detective show, you know, Scarecrow, and Mrs. King. Eight, the A team's not a detective show, but you know, like there's uh-huh. just there's some actors that are in every and Jake the Fat Man and, and Remington Steele. Like he's in all everything. He's in RoboCop. He's later going to be in Star Trek Voyager. He got he's involved in- with Tim and Eric uh, for a bunch of things. The oh. TV show. Yeah. I've seen him in the the Tim and Eric's Billion Dollar Movie, which I think his scene involves a bunch of poop. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I know he's in Psych and Charmed. And finally, he's Commissioner Gordon in Batman: The Killing Joke, the animated series oh. from 2016. Interesting. I didn't know that. I just want to point out that there's a character, because I know him as Leland Palmer, like, obsessively. Oh, yeah. And there's a character in here named Palmer. And there's (laughs) even, like, a scene where they're like, Palmer, where's Palmer? And they cut to him waking up. And I was like, oh, shit, David Lynch is, like, planting seeds (laughs) years before Twin Peaks. That's crazy. Okay, OG looks very familiar, but I could not pick her. So the moment Cameron's, like, coming in his pants Uh over this guy who, (laughs) like... Across town. There's a ton of... Yeah, across town. I'm like... This voice, like this woman's voice hit inside of me and I was like, I know this person and I'm like the whole episode of just like, I've got to figure this out in my mind. Like I can't look this up. Mm -hmm. And finally I was like, oh my God, that's one of the friends from Say Anything of John Cusack because she's got a really unique voice. And I remember always like kind of liking her character because it was like, she's kind of interesting and weird mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. and like uh her voice has a very special tone and <laughs> i always liked her voice and anyway this is pamela adlon okay starting out in like growing pains facts of life and night court um and then yes say anything is rebecca and uh kiki she does a ton of cartoons kiki's delivery service oh. she's cat darkwing her unique and amazing voice fern gully is fairy number fairy number two. Oh well not fairy number one not that amazing <laughs> darkwing duck she was in recess spinelli if you ever watched the recess okay. cartoon that's a that was ran for a long time but she's done louie and later louie produced her own series better things which is currently i think still running She's like the girl. She's a recurring girlfriend on on Louis. Okay, is she not also the voice of Bobby from King of the Hill? Oh shit! Is that true? <laughs> I believe that's true. Well, we better find that out. Time out. I was editing and being like, I laugh at Marcy a lot for like no reason. I don't know why, and I just realized that it's because when you're listening to it, you can't see the amazing expressions and <laughs> gestures you make when you're talking. <laughs> Thank you, Cameron. <laughs> Although just knowing you, I can tell like when a certain gesture is happening, I know kind of what's coming. So I'm like preemptively laughing, but you don't get any of that over the just audio. Oh shit. Yeah. Pamela Adlon is the voice of Bobby on King of the Hill. Jesus Christ. I did not even notice that. Thank you, Pamela Adlon. That's crazy that you're in this show and I didn't know it till like moments ago. Well, and her most uh, important role, of course, is that she was appointed as record keeper. Gosh, dad. <laughs> the appointed record keeper now. I got to get this shit. Sh- we got to show up early. We can tell 
her dad is like not the sharpest tool in the shed. Yeah. <laughs> he is not. It's that he is not a proto Vulcan. He's like a proto something else. He does yeah. have a dumb look on his face. <laughs> but also, I was like, come on. I mean, they can't be showing up that early. Of course, she wants to show up early for her first day as the appointed record keeper. Right. And then. Hours later, half this episode goes by, he almost dies, gets teleported to the Enterprise, gets resurrected, resurrected, gets teleported back down, he goes back to the village, Troy and Riker show up, all of this stuff happens, they leave and she goes, oh shit dad, I gotta get there before the sun reaches the zenith. They were there like eight hours ahead of time, (laughs) fucking OG, no wonder Liko was pissed about this. I thought they were checking it multiple times a day. Oh, you think so? Yeah. But she never she never checked it the first time. So. Well, I know, but... Oh, maybe that's it. She I was it. like, Jesus Christ, they were early. <laughs> no, no, they have to check oh, okay. it. Four, okay, that makes more four sense. Four or five times. I mean, if she's a times. record keeper that's like rational. once a day, that's like a really fucking easy job. <laughs> yeah. Is it called a duck blind even if you're not watching ducks? Is it always a duck blind no matter what creature no, you're watching? Because I mean, that's that's kind of insulting. Like deer blinds. It's just like a. It's but... insulting to call these people ducks. <laughs> it is kind of insulting to like yeah. have it be like an animal reference when you're using it to yeah. fool like intelligent sentient creatures. Right. So they see off in the distance a flickering mm-hmm. light, and they're Where's like, that... "Let's check it out." Where's that flickering light at? Up in the mountain? Right in the middle of Vasquez Rocks, the next oh, yeah. big guest star of this episode, really. Well, that and also we're on a on an actual real site Two again. for two. Yeah. yeah. So Holy shit. Nice. Season three. You're really throwing that budget around now. Where's this rock you love so much, Cameron? Tell Vasquez, us more. Vasquez, right? It's just outside of Los Angeles. It's the most iconic Star Trek filming location ever. Oh, it sounds yeah. like you want to marry this rock. Dude. <laughs> you Actually, mean it's a woman from Aliens? Aliens? I mean, the best character from Aliens, and yeah. she can, it can do a lot of pull-ups and it makes I'll marry fun her. Of a Hell guy. yeah. Is that who they, who they named this rock after? I wish. <laughs> but yeah, no, very, very, um... Iconic rocks. Although it did make me think we were just talking about panspermia and how like all the fucking races in Star Trek look like humans. Also, it seems like all the planets have this exact same rock formations. That's mm. interesting. Is there like panspermia for planets? I wonder when the term panspermia is going to make any sense to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when you're older, we'll I explain it. Also, I I'm really proud of myself for not being like <laughs> sperm. I'm pretty sure we've done that in a previous episode. Probably. So. <laughs> so they get there and... Uh, what, Lyco or Lico? Lico. Yeah. Keeping Lico. Lico's like, hold on, daughter, stay here. And he starts climbing, <laughs> climbing, climbing the rock. And he looks in and he's just like, ooh. Yeah. Like his, oh. There's this stupid <laughs> ass YouTube video that's like supposed to be real of like a video camera pointed at a window and like this alien head pops up that's obviously <laughs> just like a mask. Uh-huh. And it kind of looks around. That's totally what this reminded me of. It's just like this right. dumb look on it. It was like Mac mm-hmm. and me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but for some reason, yeah, yeah it's just yeah. that like blank stare. Yeah. Yeah. And so Data turns and like, again, really no reaction from the Enterprise crew. He's like, oh, there's a guy there. Well, I like Data because it is Data. So that well, made sense. They're like, oh, I was not expecting to see that. That's not good. Commander. And then Liko is like, fuck. <laughs> and he grabs the electrified he wall. not majority. <laughs> And he's like, oh, it goes flying off. High fall. High fall. High fall. And then Dr. Crusher looks like a superhero running down the mountain with her lab coat flying no behind shit. her. And good job, Crusher. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter if you save this guy. You've already broke the private directive yeah. in so many ways. Yeah. 
Like yeah. she says later, he fell because of them. It's her job to make that right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's coming up, this medical scene <laughs> and Picard being super cold. Oh, no oh, shit. That's what I wrote. Picard is cold. So cold, and man. Cold-blooded. He, he calls her Dr. Crusher. Usually he's like, Beverly, Beverly, he Beverly. He has a bee in his bonnet this episode. Now that he's here, you must remove all memory of his encounter with the away team. By erasing short-term recall. It has been accomplished before. I am familiar with Dr. Pulaski's technique. She is not taking any of his mansplaining. Yeah, and also, again, with the creepy removing people's memories. I know you were all about it in that Mm -hmm. Pen Pals episode. Mm -hmm. I just still think that it's kind of immoral to take away a person's memories without their permission. Like, you're the one that went down there and you broke your rules. So now you just have to figure out how to manage the things that you did without taking away people's thoughts and ideas from their head. You could do it. They don't even know that it works. And they're like, I could erase your whole fucking mind. I mean, if the alternative is to let him die, and the other option is that he finds religion and it creates a holy war that kills everybody eventually, mm-hmm. decades from now. Then yeah, erasing well, Picard, a mind is like it's kind of the, is the moral decision. Exactly what he does at the very beginning. Just like we'll go down there and we'll explain it to them. Well, well that to took be a while fair, to get to that. Yeah, and to be fair, we don't know what ramifications that's going to have on this. People. Also, it seems like Pulaski's procedure is not commonplace. She made it up on that episode. It sounds like. And Beverly was like, I don't think it's going to work the same way. His because lysine you... levels are high. Yeah, she's more smarter. <laughs> <laughs> well, it worked when Pulaski did it. <laughs> <laughs> also, this is the last time we hear Pulaski's name oh. ever again. Well, so long Pulaski's name, I guess. <laughs> I'm sure we'll keep mentioning her, but... Yeah. <laughs> Liko wakes up and sees... The Picard. The Picard. <laughs> the now, Picard. I admit, in that light, Picard looks pretty godlike. That's a, it's a good shot of Picard. I do wish he had been doing something interesting because Liko keeps saying like I, he can do these amazing things. He's the Picard. He does all this, and I felt a little bad for Crusher. I was like, "Fuck, Crusher's the one who saved your life, not the Picard." Right. Like I get why the captain is considered the god for this episode, but. but He's the one giving commands. Yeah, he could have been doing something. He could have seen him teleport away or something. I don't know. Well, in this scene, he's the only one that he sees, and he sees people like asking him for no, permission. No, he sees for Crusher. He, he looks over and sees her in, over like, another person first. In like the weird vision it's just, thing. Yeah, she's blurry. Well, yeah, with the nylon stocking over the camera lens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's the same thing with Picard. He's just closer up. He's a man, okay? Yeah. He's in focus. Oh, yeah. And he's a man. I just, I just wish there <laughs> would have been alpha. one scene where, like, Crusher would have been like, I was the one who saved his life. Should be worshiping me down there, goddammit. Yeah. The cru- he thinks he'd have been worshiping the Crusher. <laughs> the Crusher. That, that, yeah, that's a god I would worship. <laughs> well, I guess I just feel like this guy is grasping at all straws to make the overseers into something because he's been wanting his wife alive for years. And he was like, the instant he gets like beamed down, he's like, there's a God. We got to please this God because I've got to get my wife back. I mean. They did reveal it. I mean, like his desperation to have a religion. People cling to religion for this very reason. Usually because they lost something. Yeah. Well, we're kind of creeping around my problems with this episode. Um, One of which is like, they keep saying how rational these proto-Vulcans are, but we never really see it. 
What do you uh, mean? Nuria is completely rational. Yeah. Nuria is like a normal person. She's a good leader, but she's not like Vulcan level about? rational. Everything that she says basically illustrates this is why there's evidence for this. Yeah. No, I think they could have they could have had a scene where like they came to religion through rationality. And I don't feel that there was ever that huh? scene. What do you want them to like if they I are want them to act like fucking Spock. I, oh, well, they're just on the they, way to they just feel they're like they just feel like humans. They don't feel Vulcan at all. I disagree. Yeah, me too. Okay. <laughs> like they're a Bronze Age level Vulcan. They're halfway so. between Vulcan and human. They're <laughs> yeah. on the way to becoming so Vulcan. So is Spock. Yeah. And he's much more logical than these guys. That's true. And but they go from, uh, you know, living how they live to she's up on a starship and ex- accepting it. Yeah. And within an hour. Like yeah. she's like, oh, okay, so that makes sense. Yeah, Ray Wise is the most irrational, but his arguments... Could, I mean, I, could appeal to a rational mind. He's like, yeah, our descendants used to believe this and there and must be some appeal, cause for them. Appeal to the older generation who knows the legends and myths. And he's like, well, it could be because X, Y, and Z, you know? So I think they're doing the polarization of a person who's completely on one side and Nuria, who's the leader, is the most rational of them all. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe, and maybe that maybe that is the problem is because Liko like dominates every scene he's in. Oh, yeah. You maybe those guys are thinking that, but they barely ever get a word in edgewise because they'll be like, oh, we've had storms like this, but not like this, not at this time of year. <laughs> right. And then like you never really get to hear what the other people are really thinking or saying about that. Well, that's what religion is, right? Well, they pretty true. much yeah. like are so One loud, fucking... it's hard to get like a logical argument through that kind of mm-hmm. passion, that, that I noise. guess. Yeah. yeah. We have to move Fair. along. We are like five minutes into this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but we talked about a lot of the other different scenes. Yeah, we've so. been jumping around. So yeah, they they need to try to find Palmer. Um that's their that's the that's, that's the big the cultural that's, contamination right now. They keep using that word. I do like that term. That's cultural the guy who threw himself out of the yeah. uh, duck blind. Right. <laughs> He's just wandering around aimlessly, apparently, on this planet. He's like a rag doll throughout this whole episode. <laughs> the first thing, yeah, they have an idea, right? They're like, oh, yeah, we got an idea to fix this. Let's send Riker and Troy down in Mintonkin face. In Mintonkin face. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> problematic. <laughs> Uh, the other oh thing boy. they do is subcutaneously uh, implant their communicators. Sure. Why don't Why? they always have All that? the time. Because you don't want people to listen in on you all the time. I guess that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it seems you like should it be able could to be handy, just, like, though. Especially turn not Riker. it off. Yeah. Riker actually wouldn't mind people listening in on him all the time. <laughs> He'd be that's like, his thing. Oh, yeah, guys. Broadcast to entire ship. Give it, give it, give it, give it, give it. You came up with that. That's that what he was thinking on Edo. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so I was cringing a little bit when they with their costumes, but also kind of like, well, it's kind of hilarious. It's like, kind of cute, but they do funny. look like they're on their way to a Ren fair. Like he's just in a really bad Link from <sighs> Legend of Zelda outfit yeah. cosplay. But she's excited. She's so excited to be down there and like ready to play the role. Yeah. Well, I like how they're like. Picard, you cannot come because we have seen you role play and you would be terrible at this. I like they didn't change their names. They're just, it's easier. Riker, Troy, <laughs> fine. Then Tonkin names. That's fine. Yeah, I don't even remember. Did they introduce themselves as that? Yeah. yeah. They totally James Bonded it up. I thought, Troy, what amazing choice yeah. for this mission. Yeah. She has empathy. She'll be able to convince people of things. No, she is terrible. She is so bad at like. Oh, she's pretty bad. Convincing people of like. Shouldn't she be able to convince the guy not to shoot her? She doesn't have much to work with. <laughs> she doesn't. That's She's, true. Well, they, her convincing of like, there's so many. 
her distractions are really bad, but there's nothing yeah, else to do. Oh, your father and daughter, you must share your dreams. hysteria. <laughs> you must share dreams. That's so bad. <laughs> I know. But, you know, I mean, she's like. Maybe it's not what you think you saw or something. Uh, yeah, Joy has a good moment when she's like, comes in and is like, I, I just saw another yeah, one. Quick, come with that's me. That's good. That was a good moment. Everything else they do down there, I'm just like grimacing the whole time. Like, just tell them like, oh, yeah, we came from another village where they discovered uh, there's some contamination in the drinking water and everyone was having hallucinations. But we got to go back. Oh, sorry. Because when Riker and I wanted to have this, uh, there's a sent clip about Troy talking about the Oh, Mintakans. the matriarch one. Uh-oh. Yeah. Mintakan emotions are quite interesting. Like the Vulcans, they have highly ordered minds. A very sensible people. For example... Mintakan women precede their mates. It's a signal to other women. This man's taken, get your own. Not precisely. More like, if you want his services, I'm the one you have to negotiate with. What kind of services? All kinds. They are a sensible race. What does that mean? What does it It sounds like sex talk or something, but... Also, those aren't emotions. She's like... Mintakan emotions are very similar to Vulcans. They have very ordered minds. Orders minds aren't emotions. What does precede their mate mean? It walks, means going first. Walks in front of them. And then precede. she walks in front oh, of them. Oh, like physically walking. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Which she does as she steps in front of him. Right. Oh, I did not take it. You were watching this episode with your eyes closed. Apparently. He's just like, where's Liko? When's Liko coming into the scene? <laughs> Where's Ray Wise? I liked all this. this I mean, this yeah. scene, it's a fun little scene. Yeah. It is cute i like that scene. and troy's so excited she like she you know she's what she's talking about it's not just that she they have ordered minds she's also did some research you know? yeah back to uh our conversation about Liko uh becoming a true believer then by keeping palmer safe we will please the picard and he will grant us favors in return <laughs> favors so i like this because it's kind of the rob thing it's like leading into what this whole episode is about very early on in the episode where you're like immediately he wants favors from the Picard. Mm -hmm. So his mind went immediately to this guy can bring people back to life. He's going to give us favors. I got to do whatever I can to basically get the Picard to come back down so I can get him to give me my wife back. Mm -hmm. And it starts at the very beginning. He doesn't care about any of this other stuff really. His main objective, and because he turns in that scene and holds his daughter's hands and they make... Like, very clear eye contact. They, so, and that was a great moment. I was like, I know what's going on here, even though they're not saying it. And they right. do. I, I agree. They kind of unfold his whole arc pretty well. Yes. Real quickly, I'm not going to say much about the, first of all, the actor that plays uh, Fento. I thought that sounds right. Fento, the old man. It's John McLeam. He's born as John Williams. I wonder why he changed his name. <laughs> uh, best known for uh, Rambo First Blood. Mm. And he was in Woody Allen's Sleeper. And it was in Cool Hand Luke, Boss Keen. Nice. And Nuria. Should we talk about Nuria real quick? Sure. Sure. We've seen her. Nuria is Catherine Lee Scott, Incredible Hulk, the TV series. There's a cartoon of Fonz and the Happy Days Gang. (laughs) And she does Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. back in 2015. So I guess maybe maybe to try to defend my stance on these fucking Mintakins a little bit, I do believe they stop showing any rationality here. And again, it's it's all led by Liko, but I feel like everyone's kind of jumping on board pretty quick when they just start making huge ass assumptions about what the Picard wants. Maybe maybe Palmer's trying to run away from him. Maybe he displeased the Picard, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense." And I'm like, "No, you guys are not being logical about this at all. This is just listening to whatever Liko is shouting out at the time." I think that one scene is 
the one example of and then they do it again Kennedy. later when they're talking about like killing her and like he wants us to kill her and they're like does he and Lee goes like yes and like okay we're with you well nobody was with him no one was they stopping were, him no because they're not because their logic tells them they don't know they don't know the answers so they're yeah. like I don't know oh, okay they're, they're like and, I don't well, know what else a, to that's do an interesting take that they because of their logic they are almost they're like frozen paralyzed yeah. yeah well that's interesting and if anything the point is like this is how quickly rational people can be like convinced to turn to religion. <laughs> like, I think, yes, I th- they're exaggerating Liko's role as this guy who's like, let's go straight to religion. And I think Nuria is a good balance to that. And she's trying to be a good leader in the sense that she's listening to what he has to say because some of what he has to say seems rational based, pans out. Yeah. based on what happens in the episode. Here's proof that they're logical. In a if if they were illogical, they would have totally bought like, oh, they share a dream. <laughs> like yeah. but the fact that they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> proves that they have right. some semblance. So Riker lets oh, the bridge know that, oh, Palmer showed up. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then they have a meeting with Dr. Barron. Absolutely out of the question. The prime directive has already been violated. The damage is done. All we can do now is minimize it. By sanctioning their false beliefs? By giving them guidelines. Letting them know what the overseer expects of them. Dr. Barron, I cannot, I will not impose a set of commandments on these people. To do so violates the very essence of the Prime Directive. And I only do that six or seven times a year, goddammit. I mean, I love that Dr. Barrett is immediately like, let's just give them some guidelines. (laughs) Going from, like, exposing yourself to them, but then the next step is let's give them, like, cultural, like, things to follow. That's, that's... Well, because... What a bad anthropologist. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I mean, I understand they're spitballing here and there are no bad ideas, but also, like... They're, well, now they're going to have religion. There's nothing we can do to stop that. So I guess all we can do is make sure it's a religion where they don't kill each other constantly. <laughs> like, I guess that's the next, the second worst thing to do. Like, you know. It seems he should have good ideas. He's the one that's been studying him for a and, long time. And I do like a lot of the stuff. And I, li- I like a lot of Picard in this episode. But I, I was like, and isn't Picard the one who breaks the Prime Directive? I know we say all the time and it hasn't really you been You say all, all the, the time, time and I always It's been at dispute. least three episodes where he's pretty casually broken the Prime Directive. Once per season? Yeah. I think that other people break the Prime Directive and he is forced to manage it. To save people's lives. And yeah. here he's like, well, we should have let him die. I'm like, well, well he it, says that almost you didn't let Wesley time. die. You didn't let What's-Her-Face die with the creepy fingers. but he starts out saying that every time. And Beverly was afraid that he was going to do that. Like, remember her coming in and he's like, doesn't tell her he's going to save Wesley in the beginning. I remember being pissed about that. And so he's he's consistently been like, we have to maintain the prime directive. And then kind of realizing that. Until the last second. That he has to figure something else out because that's not morally something that he could do. And I think that that's a legit stance for a leader to take because you've got to let them know that this is not something that we're allowed to do and this is a big mistake. But it's okay to then have the captain make the decision, not the underling. Then he takes all the responsibility and he's the one that could get fired, right. not Crusher. Okay. That's why he's like, you should have let him die. It's right. cold-blooded, but that's the right yeah. thing to do under the Prime Directive would have been to let him die. Right. So then he's the one that has to take responsibility. That's why he's got... The fucking four pips on his collar. The pips for. Yeah. So this is my other kind of, and this might be my biggest problem with the episode, is that I feel like they keep artificially inflating the stakes. Because in this scene, the doctor's like, 
yes, it's going to turn to religion and then it'll be spiritual warfare and, and, and inquisitions. And I'm like, there's like 12 fucking people down there. There's 12 fucking people. Where are they? It's an extended family. It's not even a whole village. It's like a farmstead. It'll spread. Will it? Or yeah. will other people just look at them with their logic and be like, you guys, there must be something in the drinking water out there. Don't go out there. Hmm. I don't know. I just kept, kept thinking like, bigger... just teleport them out and, and basically leave it Basically does become like that because they almost sacrifice somebody to like this god that they don't know. But before we move on from this scene... I thought it would be kind of fun if we tried to come up with a list of uh, Picard commandments and a Picard religion. Yeah, because... <laughs> I worship Picard. That's what I wrote here. I, wrote, I would worship Picard. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> and so, like, I didn't really come up with, like, commandments myself yet, but I did have a couple of, like, rituals. Like, I could imagine, like, all of the Picard priests being, like, tea, Earl Grey, like, pouring their little Earl Grey mm. teas and praying to Picard in their jodhpurs. <laughs> um, the blood of Picard. I mean, prime directive must be maintained is, like, <laughs> commandment number one. Did you say that tea is his com- is communion? <laughs> yeah. He would drink the they... Earl Grey as communion. And yeah. What would, what would you eat as his body? Oh. The well, I don't know, but I bet there'd be uh, some uh, Temple of Doom Kali Ma heart ripping out to replace with uh, <laughs> janky steampunk hearts. Whoa. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, yeah. what would I eat for his body? Probably, like, a, a little, like, uh, one of those... Sandwiches with the crust say, cut oh, off. Yeah, 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 for sure. Wait, like cucumber sandwiches. That's yeah. what I would have. He ate those in that shuttlecraft. Yeah, with, <laughs> with we saw him eat that once. It's like you have it to. was a good scene, though. Read and memorize uh, Moby Dick. Yeah. Um, be able to quote it on command. You have to yeah. sacrifice small animals because he does not like small animals and children. Sacrifice children. <laughs> <laughs> like Cameron like... thinks Picard's religion is tearing out hearts and sacrificing animals. I know. We're like eat, drinking tea and eating. I'm not sure that Cameron gets that. I'm trying to actually turn it into a religion because religion is evil, guys. That's what the episode tells us. Well, for sure. Uh, oh, you know, like, it could be something about him liking archaeology, so... Mm, mysteries. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can never the solve Dixon the Hill. mystery. There must always be a mystery. Every year they have oh, to do yeah, one of those... Oh, yeah, they've got trench coats as they're, like, like uh, parties. <laughs> Where the mystery parties were oh, yeah, yeah. river mystery sure. party every year. It would be easier to almost come up with a religion for Riker. <laughs> yeah. Like anyway, I just like, like the idea. I will not give them commandments. I'm like, but you could probably give them some pretty good commandments. <laughs> well, Picard would not have that because he has this to say about religion. Dr. Barron, your report describes how rational these people are millennia ago. They abandoned their belief in the supernatural. Now you are asking me to sabotage that achievement, to send them back into the dark ages of superstition and ignorance and fear? No! That's some powerful Picard right there. That's some pretty edgy stuff to and say the, about religion I in know. like 1989. The achievement of, like, it is an achievement to get rid of religion. Yeah. That's crazy. That, that was like, I was like, that... I mean, no matter what, I'm going to love this episode. I mean, at this point, I thought I was going to love the episode. It had Ray Wise. It had, like, this hardcore anti-religious message. But uh, speaking of religion, I also have a little segment quiz for this. This quiz is called Cameron's Way or the Yahweh. (laughs) (laughs) We'll take it. All right. We'll take it. All right. So. I have here the Lord's Prayer. Can anyone recite that? Fuck no. (laughs) Uh... 
I lay me down to sleep. Nope, not that one. Different one. Uh, I pledge allegiance to the flag. <laughs> Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Yes. Yada, yada. From kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy yeah. kingdom come. Okay, something, but... Something in heaven? Yes. More or less. <laughs> and then, booyah. Amen. Booyah. But, <laughs> close, close. Very close. Uh, but I have adapted it. Uh, each kind of stanza Ooh. into a different fictional religion. So I'm going to read it. One like of, ones we would know. Hopefully, that's from the like idea. A fictional movie or show, right. or okay, right. Generally. Cool. So tell me either what show or movie it's from, or the name of the religion. Uh, not they don't all have names, but uh, bonus points if they do, and you can think of it. Christianity. All right. Uh, not not that type of fictional. <laughs> Generally accepted as fictional. Cam's <laughs> like, I fucking hate you guys. <laughs> Our fathers who art in San Dimas, most excellent oh, be Bill thy names. Ted. Yes, nice. Bill and Ted. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, it doesn't really have a re- name, but they are known as the two great ones. Oh, right, because they're the they're religion. Like yeah. yeah. Thy noble house come, thy will be done, on Arrakis as it is in the Spacing oh, Guild. Dune. Uh, Dune. Dune is a the, blind spot in my... Oh. The... Uh... What's well, the name? There, I mean, there's kind of a lot of religions, but, but name, there's like what's the, the big one, the spice, the nun. What are the nuns called? Ha, the Harada. Bene. Bene Gesserit. Yes. Good job. <laughs> That's a huge hole in my nerd. In my nerd. Credit I'm glad right I could now. fill your nerd there. hole. <laughs> <laughs> give us this day our daily monkey brains, and forgive us our heart ripping, as we forgive Indiana those Jones. who heart rip against us. It is Dan Jones, the. Uh, I don't know. His name's Molaram, but I don't remember the yeah. name. Of the well, religion. I mean, it's it's a very fictionalized version of Hinduism and the Thuggy cult. Oh yeah, Thuggy. Yes. Okay. I know they just do. They do <laughs> just call it Hinduism. And you're like, oh, I don't think this is what Hindus do. But yeah. <laughs> it's a very kind of yeah. Yeah. Uh, and lead us not into the rose, but deliver us from he who walks behind them. This is probably the hardest one. He who walks behind them. Behind the rose. Oh. Dark Tower? Oh, uh, no. Oh, that would have been a good one. Um, Think of Corn Rose, not the hairstyle. Oh. Children of the Corn. The Children of the Corn, yeah. I thought you were saying R O S E, not oh. R W R O W S. Right. Oh, uh, yeah, that would make sense. Oh, uh, yeah. Rose. <laughs> for thine is the pasta and the sauce and the meatball forever. Spaghetti Monster, the Flying Spaghetti. Yes, Flying Spaghetti Monster. What's, what's the religion known as? Zoroastrianism. Pastafarian. That's right. Pastafarian. <laughs> I didn't That's even know That's... he had an actual religion that went with That's the right. flying spaghetti monster. That's right. So say we all. Uh, oh, the uh, Battlestar Galactica, right. Apollo. Lords of Cobol. It's basically oh, yeah. like. Greek. Well, it's the Greek, Greek with a lot of weird, yeah. Hey, that was good. That oh, it? That's it. Yep. Booyah. That was Great the amen. job, Cam. Hey, that was hey, a fun hey, one. Amen, everyone. Amen. Can we I go do, way I, back? I want to I start ending when, if I ever go to like someone's house where they make me pray for a meal, is it okay if I start saying booyah at the end? Please. Yeah. 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 All right. But then praise my name. Booyah! Okay. <laughs> Hopefully one of these days I'll be able to open one of our podcasts with that story. So I ate at a Christian's house last night. <laughs> I said, booyah, praise Rob. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time since somebody's prayed at a meal with me there. I think it was like Andrew's mom's Thanksgiving and I was like, I'm not doing this. It's pretty easy if you were worried about failing at it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I usually just like, just stare at everyone awkwardly so that they, they realize that. Well, if you close, if you don't close your eyes, their wishes aren't going to come true. Like everybody has to close their eyes or it doesn't work. I just take this in a chance to take a little nap. (laughs) 
Imagine hey. he'd be like snoring. To our, <laughs> hey man, we're, we're really sorry to our religious listeners. I know, I know. <laughs> hey, with this episode, what are you going to do? It would have been interesting to have a guest on who is religious, yeah. but... Can we go way oh, back? Oh, that would be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Way well, back? When we do the second... Like season two? No, I want to go way back to... Uh, <laughs> To when Riker is rescuing Palmer. Oh, oh. yes. I and do like Troy's, hey, there's somebody else out yeah, here. And that that was smart of her. Yeah. And, and then I love when like when uh, OG spots Riker. She's like, Riker! And everyone takes off. Troy's just like, fucking Riker. Yeah. And, but like, Riker's moving his lifeless body around like it's weekend at Palmer's. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, what, what I write, I was like, like. Ooh, action scene of actors very carefully trying to run on uneven ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like Riker turns the corner, you're like, cool, just, just teleport as soon as you're yes, out of sight. You tied the guy up, just walk behind him. There's this oh, room right. he's Could in, it's covered walk. with rooms. You didn't have to go outside at all. That's a good point. And then he has to run into a little nook. Yeah, it was funny. Like, he could have teleported like 18 times by the time he actually teleports. Yeah, yeah. Right. It was funny. <laughs> and it was like them awkwardly running on uneven ground. Oh, and guys, guess what? Crows are interstellar, apparently. <laughs> or an eagle or something. Some sort of like, yeah. there was just one weird, I think it was just in the shot, so they had to play a sound effect. Exactly. Yeah. Which just, I recently also just, I was watching Amazon Prime's The Boys, which is based on a comic book. Mm-hmm. And there's two scenes where I noticed a fly near the head of the actor and they put in a buzzing sound. And I, there's no, re- there's two different episodes where it happens. And there's no, I was like, oh, they're going to revisit that. There's some reason that there's a fly. <laughs> there was no reason. I think maybe it was they on just set. They filmed in and Atlanta they, and it was hot. It was so weird. Like and this was the same thing. We're like, oh, there's an eagle in the shot. I guess we have to acknowledge it. With this is what happens when you're a film sound. person and you watch stuff. Yeah, it was just a weird eagle. I did notice that as well, and I was kind of curious about the guy that they're basically using as the enforcer, who has like the yeah. bow and arrow, because I recognize his Neanderthal face from other movies where he's basically like a Neanderthal. Hmm. I didn't even look but it up. I yeah, you don't have to. But he's either Holly or Yari. Those I, are the two other ones. I feel like. I've seen him in other stuff where I feel like it's got to be an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where he's like a tough. <laughs> I think that is Holly, H-A-L-I. Yeah, his face is super neander. James McIntyre, um, Little House on the Prairie, Deuce of Hazard, Jefferson's, TJ Hooker, The Usual, Hill Street Blues, all the 80s TV, A-Team. Everybody was in the fucking A-Team. Uh-huh. Roadhouse as a bartender. Oh, yeah, Roadhouse. Oh. I just watched it. He's a bartender. Yeah, he was one of the... Leaded or unleaded. I think that's his line, maybe. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the yeah. one guy that asked him... Because that's what's just his bartender. Leaded or unleaded. It's like his one line is also his credit, his character name. Okay, so it must have been Roadhouse where Probably. I recognized him. Oh, funny. That's really funny that you would Good recognize eye. it from Roadhouse. <laughs> <laughs> and then Troy is now captured. And I love the scene where uh, Data is talking to her and uh, Riker has to translate her moans for him. <laughs> Yeah, her uh huh and mm mm. <laughs> but that's again where Nuri is like, I'm not gonna just hurt this person because you want to do right. that. That's one of those scenes where I noticed Nuria being more rational right. than everyone else and trying to. Yes. And then it's time to teleport her away. And Picard gets to do it, which is great. Picard <laughs> yeah. gets to work the teleporter. Yeah. I do like that Picard pretty much knows everything there is to know. Like, he can kind of take over any position. Oh, he can manually dock that bitch. Yeah. yeah. The Maybe. ship, not Nuria. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he teleports her on. And this is where I noticed the music in this episode is very never-ending story. Mm-hmm. This scene, particularly, yeah. is where I actually noticed the music. I was like, oh, they're doing, like, her journey. Like, <laughs> I felt like she's going on this journey and finding this new and wondrous world. God, and that I wish I'd watched the same episode as you 
guys. Yeah, dude. <laughs> you would have loved it. Because I was like, she's on a ship. And like, she's like, what are these doors? And like, the music was really appropriate to like her like being wonderstruck by everything. Yeah. I mean, I, I did like these scenes, but I like, I legit did not, like, she was not on my radar at all the first time I watched it until like they brought her on board. I was rooting for this race from the beginning for some reason. I just, like, yeah, I thought they were hmm. a pleasant race. Yeah. Like, even Liko is sort of like, seems almost timid and is it's, still likable yeah he's still likable even though he's threatening violence yeah because you can tell he's like i don't know don't do we have to threat do we have to hurt this woman yeah, like, he doesn't want it. you can tell he's desperate the whole time yeah, right yeah yeah the one thing i wanted to mention because i have this like weird idea that i want to see if you guys will corroborate but there's a scene and maybe you didn't even notice it, it probably like, not I didn't when he she gets teleported in and she's like ah, oh, bowing to picard and he's like no no don't do that and he grabs her hand and he's like Feel my pulse, yeah. like I'm a person, and they're like holding hands. That gets, he gets intimate with her. Yeah, and way. like, and they're holding hands for like a long as long as we're holding like, hands right now, Cameron. I don't know what was more awkward, watching it or having Marcy hold my hand for that long. <laughs> yeah, but like, I was like, oh, that's really intimate, but it's not creepy. Like he's never it's not creepy. creepy. But there was a few scenes where I'm like, is Picard into her? Like, no. and we're gonna get to some more coming no. up. And I don't know, but what I like about these scenes is like, how would you convince someone? You're not a god. How would you convince a primitive race? Uh, how would you explain high technology to them? And same way I convinced you guys, I'm not a not, not a truly higher race. <laughs> I'm still not convinced. <laughs> I think you he's are still alpha. alpha. When are you guys gonna stop holding hands? This is really <laughs> <laughs> oh, now you're kissing? Ew! Oh god! <laughs> Ew! Is that how you kiss? <laughs> That's how people kiss, right? <laughs> guys, sure. guys, this isn't weird, is it? I'm not going to mess with this. Did we make this weird? <laughs> so anyway. But yeah, no, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Show her your flesh and blood. Show her you have a heartbeat. That's interesting. And then one of the next things he does is he takes her into his observation lounge where he shows her her planet. I never thought I'd see the clouds from the other side. That's and a good line. This oh. is a classic Picard move where he, this is the second of four times that he takes a female of a race into the observation lounge to show them their oh, planet. Oh, a Picard move. Um, but, it, I mean, he talked about how one of the most important or moments of his life was seeing Earth from orbit, mm. you know? So I think he sees that as a way to, like, show people scale and how he knows that that can be moving for other people. I would just love, like, one of the women to be like, eh, that's all right. No, this is... Don't you understand how mind-blowing this is? Beautiful... Yeah, I don't know. I've seen pictures of it. <laughs> I've seen a postcard. Yeah. <laughs> the only place where I feel like it was strange, where Nuria doesn't really match herself, is when she's like, oh, yeah, I'm convinced. The I'm convinced. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then she's suddenly her. like, she so you can bring people back to life? <laughs> I just feel like, well, and, and I understand her still thinking that, like it would make sense for her because yeah. she was told Liko was brought back to life and now she knows these people have great technology. Sure. But the, yeah, where she's like, she just suddenly turns to like, oh, you can't. I displeased you. Did they displease you? We should have killed Troy. What? But, but, right. Like, yeah. She's that suddenly, one line is a mess. And it's, a, it's just a weird story beat too because like Picard just convinced her yeah, and she she's becomes literally unconvinced. been convinced. Yeah. And he goes, oh, I can't get through to you. And it would have made sense if he was like, I know what will do it. I'll show you someone dying. But that's not even what happens. She just happens to see someone dying. And this 
back to convinced. Uh, right after he shows the planet, he does a little face palm. Over there. I was, well, was going to say, like, oh, I got another damned headache from this primate. Yeah, he face palms again, then walks across the room and then says, hey, you remember, like, when you didn't have huts and bows and cloth? These that, are the pinnacle a, of your existence. Like, it's a really good monologue. Yeah, yeah it was a good monologue. scene. Yeah, I mean, his scenes of convincing her, I think, were very compelling to me, so. Perhaps one day my people will travel above the skies. And there's an awful lot of lip touching here from Picard. <laughs> of that I have absolutely no doubt. That's a pretty breathy line. There's something going on here. That's what I'm saying. But he saying. doesn't say it to her, though. Yeah. She's like, he says it under his breath. Like, he is smitten with her and so i'm not saying it's romantic or sexual but he is taken with her in some way yeah absolutely (laughs) and i think part of it is because he loves the idea of being a witness to a race that is he knows is going to end up being what they are and going Mm -hmm. into the stars and experiencing all the interesting and Everything new, just like his race track. was able to. Until today, they yeah. were on track for yeah. all these great things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to... He talks about hunting the hornbuck. Uh-huh. And I was just about... To, I forgot to do this earlier, so I started to Google Star Trek hornbuck. I wanted to see if this was the only episode where that creature is named. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And when you type in Star Trek horn, and then before I got to buck, it auto-filled Star Trek horn solo, which must be about... Uh-huh. Probably about Riker. Uh-huh. Star Trek horned ape. <laughs> and Star Trek horn dog. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's funny. Is anyone, like, keeping an eye on Troy as she's about to be killed? Like, teleport her up at the last minute. Right. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> she's fine. They're not really too worried about arrows. I mean, obviously, Picard probably doesn't think he's going to die. He knows he's yeah. gonna, He knows he might get shot by an arrow. And I didn't doesn't buy seem, that beat either. That beat is a little bit hard to buy. But I thought that was rad. I was like, shoot me, mofo. <laughs> you can get, I think you can get... I mean, they if he are... shot him right in the heart, he'd be dead. Yeah, or through the eye, or I don't know, man. He got stabbed through the heart, and then <laughs> and now he's fine. He does That's have true. a you can, heart. He does. You he can. Does. So I don't think you can kill. You can't I mean, kill if you have a doctor nearby and it's on the Enterprise, you can, there's nowhere that an arrow can. Well, kill they're you. like like Crusher's bang up job or whatever he said. What's he say about her? Uh, Crusher's her usual skill fixed him right up. In a sling? Oh, yeah. Like, she cured Liko's, like, life-threatening injuries in an hour or two. I also said that. A sling? What the F? Yeah, you guys would always... I never really defended it, but you guys would always be like, Pulaski's a terrible doctor. And I was always like, yeah, she seems fine. But this episode makes Crusher seem like a terrible doctor. (laughs) That's not going to become a running joke on this show. But they actually... Let me defend Crusher. Crusher again. They've had several episodes where she's actually done really well as a doctor. And in this one, too, she says a guy that is practically dead. And can't save the woman who seems totally Well, that was just weird. Because, like, you don't even know this person. It was just a beat for what's-her-name to see somebody die. I know. How convenient. Like, what great timing for this person to die for no reason. Well, I want a sitcom about these people down in the duck blind because obviously these two have something going on. Like Palmer's the third wheel, who like Palmer, go go collect the fecal what sample is it, like, again, Marie okay? Or something. Yeah, like, Mary, Mary, oh Mary, I'm here with you. It's good timing for this person to die, but bad timing for a lightning storm on the planet. Oh like, man, a lot of just like things that you know, what are the odds are against them happening at that exact just time? Just real quick, going back to uh, Nuria, not you know, thinking that they could still bring back life. A lot of the issues in the third act here could be resolved if they just learned how to explain the difference between a concussion and someone being dead. Well, I mean, he fell really far. He like OG San fall okay, a great distance. Yeah, okay. Internal and bleeding and spine. being dead. I just I thought he... concussion would be funnier, but Oh, I got you. I mean, just like <laughs> he wasn't fucking dead. Okay. Like no one says that. Nuria says it at the very end. Picard, just tell them he was not dead. 
That would have made sense. Well, <laughs> but they also just could have been like, well, we can, yes, we can heal this person. We can't bring back dead people who died in a flood a year ago. Yeah, like, and yeah. like, rotting carcasses. Oh, man, what, what if they cut back to the planet and Liko's just like got this corpse that he dug out from the grave. Well, the card! Like, that's not logical. That's the one, it, that's illogical to me is like thinking a skeleton can be brought back to life. I do like, so at the end, you know, everything, Picard He's shot in shot. the fake, I thought he was going to get shot in the fake heart. And I wrote down, shot in the fake heart. And then I started, I kept thinking, every time I think it, I think of, um, Bon Jovi, shot through the fake heart, <laughs> and you're too blame. You I thought love. for sure Nuria was going to get shot, but oh yeah. So he's going to shoot Troy. Then Picard arrives just in time to save Troy, and then he basically is like going crazy. And he's like turns his bow on Picard. I gotta shoot someone, <laughs> right? And it's Nuria, religion. I gotta kill someone. I want to sacrifice. No, don't do it. And Picard does the bold ass like. I mean, this was awesome scene where he's like, pushes her aside and he's like, if this is what you need to be convinced that religion is dumb, shoot me. Yeah. And he's like, okay, motherfucker. And he shoots him, which is kind of a fun scene where Picard gets oh, like man. thrown back. But like, that's how important it is to Picard that they continue their journey naturally, which I was like, I guess I, if, if it yeah. had more stakes, I would have been behind it. I was just like, really, Picard, you're going to sacrifice your life I guess so, so Liko will believe that you're immortal? This is the difference between you and I, because I feel like this argument is like the argument that yeah. that you should you should put all your money down on this because it could ruin their their lives for hundreds of thousands of years. It could, look, they've, they've already interfered. It's not like it's the difference between interference or not interference. You see what the they've interfered. Nuria's on board now. The leader's on board. If he gets... Like, I don't care about the Even if they teleport part. away, Nuria's going to explain shit to Liko. You see how quickly religion... In fa- like, they're a contamination. Like, the mm-hmm. humans being there are a contamination, but the religion is the bigger contamination. Yes. Yeah. And the idea that if they steer them in that direction, things will go badly. Right. And I believe that. Like, yeah. even if it's just the one line that in that boardroom scene... Do you do commandments or whatever? Like, that whole scene convinced me that, like, oh, yeah, religion would take these guys in the entire... in 180 degrees the wrong direction. Yeah, and and I think for, for me, but not for you, for me and Picard, this is one of the most important things that you need to make sure don't happen. To prevent religion. <laughs> so crazy. I love that. I, I agree with all that. I just... I don't feel like the episode... Drove those stakes home because again, I felt like it was six people. Nuria was on board at this point. Like I just, I didn't, I didn't see something terrible happening. I saw like maybe this family unit dissolve. I I mean, we could say that Jesus was one guy with like twelve apostles. Here's your Jesus and your twelve fucking apostles. And then now Christianity is a thing. Exactly. (laughs) So I mean, it doesn't. It takes just one person to have this idea that people gravitate towards. Liko infected his whole village. Yeah, and all, and that village would infect another village. So anyway, I feel like the stakes are one of the highest stakes we've had in an episode. (laughs) And like when he takes that step to say, "Shoot me and kill me," or so that you can see that I'm mortal, I think that's fucking rad because he's saying like. I'm just a person like you. Like, don't put me on this pedestal. No one's better than you. Even if they have all this power that they can do other things, they're just like you. They they bleed like you. They have the pulse like you. I mean, I think that's a rad idea. Fake hearts like you. Yeah. And then, like, the end scene, I was like, finally an end scene that like makes me have so many feels in my satisfying. heart, yeah. you know? <laughs> I wish I had felt that way. (laughs) (laughs) Like intellectually, I see what they're trying to go for. I just, I didn't feel it. I don't know. Yeah, that last scene. Why do you have to hide yourself from us? 
because their presence would affect us just as it affected me and picard gives him like a little gesture like this fucking guy now he gets it no his look was like yeah this guy fucking guy now he gets it (laughs) exactly and like they're all around him they're like oh this guy knows more than us he's not better than us but like they're asking him like questions that are interesting but like the tapestry scene so he's got this tapestry and in my mind while i was watching this like you know picard is going to be like this fucking thing is like the best artifact I've ever gotten. It's going to be with me forever. And no fucking shit. It's in his office for like the whole series, like several episodes throughout the whole series. And in every Next Generation movie except for Nemesis. Hmm. It's in his office. I thought it was a a woven belt and he was going to wear it. Oh, (laughs) that'd be rad. (laughs) (laughs) A burlap sack belt. I mean, mean, because I felt like this was that kind of episode and I think they like they brought it through through the rest of the series because that's kind of that's who Picard is, right? Anyway, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah the end scene did it for me too. He's uh, he's yes. the moral <laughs> is the moral of the story is like it's okay to direct them towards science. It's not okay to te- direct them towards religion. You have taught us there is nothing beyond our reach, not even the stars. Ah, oh, so breathy. I know he's so breathy around her. <laughs> He's just breathy because he's, he's, he's got a, a, because he's a god. Because <laughs> he's got a hard on for them being able to explore eventually in their lives. He does. Yeah. He has a hard on for this for these people. Yeah, and I agree. I also have a lady hard on for these people. I'm, I'm rock hard right now. <laughs> Sorry, I'm. I, I can smell what you're cooking. Okay, <laughs> smell what the rock. You got it. Yeah, all right. I didn't know where else to go. Nope. Uh, let's rate this fucker. <laughs> what are we rating it? How many commandments? Ooh, there you go. I like that, actually. Because that's a one to, one to ten scale. How many commandments? Picard's commandments. Uh, I would definitely, I'm rating this an eight out of ten. I was thinking eight as well. Picard Ooh. commandments. I mean, I think you guys Don't go higher. a little bit for Don't me. Don't go higher because we said eight. Yeah. Uh, you but give I it. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say five. Intellectually, I liked what was there. It, emotionally, it did not do it for I me. I think you inflated that score for. I was just, thinking so you, about a four, but I pushed. It you to were five. afraid of being fucking wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, like Rob, I was thinking earlier about what my score would be, and after having this experience of a, having Rob and I <laughs> meld our minds together, me- to mind melding. Ma- We've been holding hands this whole time. <laughs> I was like eight out of ten, yeah, because of the Rob factor. No, I don't know. If I, I don't think I would have given it eight after the first viewing. The first Agreed. viewing, I thought the Ray Wise was weird, and he looked like Frankenstein, <laughs> and I'm like this, and the Vulcan face. It was weird. I think in the first half of the first viewing, I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" I and think then, that this is a pretty highly rated episode, isn't it? Oh, and I, I do feel like if they Which means they agree with me and Marcy. a prop. Uh, from that episode throughout the entire yeah, series that it was like important enough. <laughs> I was like, what's he going to do with that fucking belt? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I was, yeah, that was like that moment when he got it. I was like, I can just see in Picard's mind. He's like, this is the most, one of the most important moments of my life. Like I could see, I see and I, feel that. I thought he was going to be like, I, I got to burn this fucker or else like Starfleet's going to know I'm down here breaking the prime directive left and right. <laughs> Well, we do have social media. We've got a new social media. Why don't you tell us about it, Marcy? 
We do, so... Have you heard I, about this new Instagram? I don't know about it. I actually don't know about Instagram, so that's why Marcy's running that one. So I put together a green shirt Instagram. It's Green Shirt Podcast, so just look up Green Shirt Podcast on Instagram and follow us, and I'll try to be very regular about at least posting some photos on there. I don't want to do too much because if you're on the Facebook and the Instagram, but I'll try to do some unique things and then... Similar things to the Facebook. Sounds so, fun. Yeah. Facebook.com slash greenshirt would be the Facebook that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. There's also at greenshirt87 is our Twitter account. And always like and rate us on iTunes, please. I know you always tune out at this part because we say it every time. But there's a lot of you listening who haven't done that. Or, s- or just come say hi. I started yeah. a new Friendster account for uh, oh. Friendster and MySpace. I got it for now. Right. Green oh, shirt and Friendster. Check out our new Angel Fire website. <laughs> yeah, check it out. We have a lot of animated GIFs uh, under construction on our... <laughs> <That's right. laughs> those, like, pixelated yeah. under construction cones. What's the, what are we watching next? So the next one is... The Bonding. Mm. <laughs> bonding. Why are you laughing, Marcy? I don't know, because it has the word bonding in it. It's an episode it. about glue. <laughs> I was thinking glue. I was I thinking, like, someone tries to prank Picard by, like, super gluing his captain's chair... But then Wesley sits in it before Picard's does. You know, and whoever's in the chair has to command the ship, and they get into some trouble. And Wesley has to be the captain. No. You know, what glue used to be made out of horses. Oh, so maybe Picard is—it's glue made from holodeck horses. Is <laughs> hollow glue? That's a uh, vegan uh, horse glue. Because <laughs> it's not made from real horses. <laughs> Well, that all was right. fun. That was a fun, contentious episode. Yay! Hey, we're all still friends. Religion. Let's all hold hands. Now that we've lost half our listeners. All right, well, thank hey, you, guys. atheist listeners who've made it through this episode. All right, let's all join hands, and we're going to say a prayer. Okay. Uh, our listeners who aren't in their chairs, um, hollowed they are. Booyah! Uh, booyah! All right, thanks. Love you. Bye. Bye! They are a sensible race.